Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back with another edition of the only real podcast you need for what's going on in sports media. I say that somewhat boastfully, but look, I, I can back it up because I got John Lewis here with me from sportsmediawatch.com. And if it is happening, he's going to be able to tell you about it, give you insight, historical perspective, and more. I am merely the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. We're getting ready for football and a lot of it to happen there. We got plenty of news from Big Ten rights to courtroom proceedings on the Live Golf Tour versus the PGA Tour uh, to, to uh, Little League World Series coming and uh, and much more. Fox has announced their football broadcaster lineup. So we've got a lot to get to on the program. Uh, John, always good to be with you here for another week. Yeah, good to be with you as well. And for the audience, am I correct? We're right at the one-year anniversary of when I talked you into trying this. If it's not this week, it's next week, right? Yeah. Indeed, you are correct. You, you put up correct. with me. You've put up with me for roughly a year, and uh, and that's saying something for you. So I give you credit. <laughs> I give you credit on well, that. I, I will say, self-deprecation aside, I've enjoyed doing this, and I, I mean, really think you enjoy doing this as well, or we wouldn't still be doing it. Fair? Yeah. No, I. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I still don't listen to any podcasts, honestly. I really don't. But, uh, you know, I mean, I enjoy doing it. I always like the uh, the sound of my own voice, right? So might as well. All right. Uh, and by the way, we have a couple of brother podcasts that are on this Sports Media Watch feed, including George Offman, who's got uh, part two of his interview with Wayne Larravee. Uh, very interesting, both the voice of the Green Bay Packers currently, but formally synonymous with the, the Chicago Bears and the Chicago Bulls uh, in that market for many years in the 1980s and 90s. And interesting because George's episode this week, I will tease it, uh, John Lewis, has Wayne Larravee talking about how many more years is he going to do this right now yeah. at his age? And could this 2022 season be his final year doing the Green Bay Packers or not with Aaron Rodgers? Uh, he has a career that, that spans calling games. How about this involving Walter Payton on the radio, Michael Jordan on the TV with WGN, and then moving forward to the likes of Brett Favre and Reggie White and Aaron Rodgers now on the radio in Green Bay. That is not half bad, right, no. John Lewis, to no, have that kind of career with those games. So hear more of Wayne's story with George. And uh, Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mollen are, uh, are back again um on the announcer schedules podcast back with a fresh episode this week always love their insight their guests as they talk announcers and announce teams and we got preseason games that are coming in the nfl but whether it's major league baseball 
or whatever the case is, if you, it is the phenomenal resource, the announcer schedules, Twitter handle, and, uh, and filling those guys with the podcast do a great job on telling you who's calling what. So look forward to hearing them later on in the weekend. One more reminder, make sure you're following or subscribing on sports media watches podcast feed here, because you'll get us automatically, no matter what the new shows are without, uh, having to find it on a social media link or through John's site, you'll get it automatically with a notification, whether it's George's Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, us on the Sports Media Watch podcast feed or the Announcer Schedules podcast feed. Follow or subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. As we come in, uh, full disclosure, you and I are recording this Tuesday evening for the release. We don't have the definitive details, but as I like to say figuratively, the ground is shaking in the college football television rights world. Uh, here and it looks like for all intents and purposes the 40-year relationship of ESPN and the Big Ten Conference is about to be over because ESPN has apparently declined something could change at the 11th hour but ESPN has apparently declined to get in on the bidding for the Big Ten's B package if you will their A package John as I understand it is with Fox Mm -hmm. the B package they've been shopping around John fill in the details here on what it looks like is going to happen with the Big Ten's new television deal? Well, you know, front office sports and uh, Mike McCarthy were first with this, uh, talking about how it was going to be Fox at noon, CBS at 3.30, and NBC in prime time. Just wanted to give uh, Mike and front office sports a shout out there. I know Rich Eisen kind of took them to task the other day, so I, <laughs> I they were right, they were first on that. They got that before Rand did. And, um, you know, it's a very interesting lineup that – realistically realistically how deep is the big tent bench right because what you're talking about now is 350 million dollars that cbs and nbc will each be paying for a secondary and third level game each week Mm. now the big 10 includes ohio state and michigan it also includes illinois and Northwestern and Rutgers Mm -hmm. and nbc is paying 350 million dollars to go to Champaign in prime time <laughs> right? at that, that Memorial Stadium. And let me tell you something, it, it, there are definitely four-year people at U of I who have never been to a game. Mm-hmm. They've never been to Memorial Stadium, all right? So if NBC has to go to Memorial Stadium for a prime time game, that's... Uh, but in fairness, and know. I'm not here just to defend the Big Ten, they have... Uh, State College, Happy Valley, Valley with 100,000. They got Camp really? Randall at Madison with 80,000. They've got Minnesota, which is much better to move around. But I get your overall point. You can't, there's only two of Ohio State and Michigan for right now, and you can't have them on all three networks every Saturday because yeah. uh, I went to public school math, and that's uh, three different slots and only two schools. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what do you do in the first couple of weeks of the season where you don't have any conference games? You know, that's another question. And, you know, just, I mean, again, the Big Ten, the, they don't. I don't know that they have the depth to fill three windows every single week with high quality games. I just don't know that they do because even in the current iteration, you still sometimes have ABC has some ridiculous matchup in prime time, like you know Rutgers might sneak in there or something. Like I, I just, I'll put it this way: for three hundred and fifty million dollars a year, which mm-hmm. you know both NBC and CBS will be paying that. In the case of CBS, that is more money, right, than ESPN paid to take away the much more valuable SEC package that CBS had. Why on earth didn't you pay $350 million 
to keep the SEC. Right. Well, why would you well, pay I that now for the part of their argument is they didn't get the chance to do that. That CBS no. felt like ESPN kind of submarine their agreement. And uh, and then the other part of it is, is ESPN has all the other platform channels to be able to show games that CBS does not have. So, well, you know, but your point's well taken that they're paying good Lord 20. What did I see? 26, 27 million a week, theoretically on this deal. And NBC may be paying the same thing. I'm not clear, though. Are they only getting the one game in the one slot or do they have the opportunity in NBC's case, it would be to use the USA Network. In CBS's case, to use CBS Sports Network. Would they have the ability to show other games, or this is that price for one slot? Is that our understanding on CBS at 3.30 Eastern and one slot on NBC primetime, and that's it? Well, what I've heard is that NBC will have some games on Peacock. I haven't heard anything about Paramount+. Plus. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, would CBS really pay $350 million a year for – one game a week because remember their sec package includes a prime time game and it includes the sec championship game well fox is i imagine going to have the big 10 title game every year it's not going to rotate i can't imagine that it would you know and so i mean again it look this is why you overpay you know this whole idea of fiscal responsibility is such nonsense you know <laughs> i mean you know every single time these networks have said well we're not going to pay more money they've always regretted it and gone back and paid a lot more immediately after cbs gave up you know uh the the nfl uh well they didn't give it up fox took it from them because fox ponied up the money yes and cbs was late and guess what they lost affiliates. They didn't just lose ratings. They lost stations, right? And took them a long time to recover from that. Just pony up the money. I mean, if you want to compete with the ESPN, it's pretty easy. Outbid them. You know, that's what they did. They hold on to the tournament. They got creative. They enlisted Turner and they found a way to keep ESPN out of there. They could have kept the SEC and now paying $350 million a year for an inferior package. I don't know. You're saying inferior out of hand, but now it leads to the next question on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Doesn't this give way to the theory they're going to add Notre Dame as a 17th team, and they're now going to potentially add multiple West Coast teams to USC and UCLA because you now have a nighttime primetime lineup that's perfect to put the Western teams in, that the Big Ten expansion may, may now be not just to like 17 or 18 teams, but it might go to the full 24 as has been theorized. John, what do you make of that? If this is how they're aligning the TV deals, what do you think? Well, Notre Dame alone would justify the price tag because then you get all sorts of great Notre Dame games against, you know, some high quality opponents. Let's be real. No one cares about Notre Dame, Florida state, right? They care about Notre Dame, Michigan, Notre Dame, Michigan state, the ACC tie in has always been a real stretch. So, you know, if you can get Notre Dame against those quality opponents, uh, keeping USC, maybe, you know, UCLA every now and again, I mean, that's a great non-conference schedule, only to be a conference schedule for Notre Dame. So that would, you know, and certainly that makes it a little bit less likely that you have to resort to Rutgers and Northwestern and Illinois, you know. So as long as you can get those, you know, I mean, Notre Dame and, and you know, I don't know, Oregon. I mean, there's mm-hmm. possibilities here. If they expand further, then then it'll be, I mean, it's already a bargain, realistically. My my belief, and I think this is in play, this is in the table, you may see a Big Ten Western division of the two Washington schools, the two Oregon schools, Stanford, Cal, USC, and UCLA, 
where you now have a buffet and they can play each other familiarity with each other. In addition to the big 10 schools that you're playing. Yeah. Uh, give me a quick thought on that. I mean, it would be crazy and it would be the end of the pac 12 if it happens, but it's well, not that far fetched. Is it? Do you think? No, I mean, you want Oregon and Washington. I don't think you want Stanford and Cal. I mean, maybe from a branding standpoint, but those teams aren't relevant in terms of TV ratings at all. I mean, uh, but I, I do want to just quickly, because I said something, I said that $350 million will be a bargain. It's an overpay right now. It'll be a bargain within like two minutes. That's the way it is. That's why you <laughs> overpay. Right. Because the overpay always ends up being a bargain. So they should have overpaid two years ago. And that overpay from two years ago, especially in this context, would look like a bargain. And especially if the Big Ten is able to expand the way that you're talking about. And to your point, CBS has been play paying ridiculously less for the SEC every week and making a killing profit off of it. And that is the reason why they've continued to rebuff any talk of ending that deal early because of how much money they make. They're going to squeeze every dollar out of the great dynamic they have there of not having overpaid for what they got uh, from the SEC before. All right, two more things. If it is Notre Dame going to the Big Ten, the belief would be they would still hang on to their NBC deal for all of their home games and keep that money. Again, I'm playing like amateur Kevin Warren or whoever's doing the media rights. I would allow them to do that. And then I would say in return, we now have the opportunity if they join the Big Ten to put almost all of their road games either on that CBS 330 or to put them on in primetime on NBC. Uh, against a Big Ten opponent, whoever it is, because it's Notre Dame. Yeah. What What is your thought on that? Well, I mean, you know, it's tough. I mean, Notre Dame is a tremendous brand. I mean, uh, you know, it always kind of sounds skeevy to refer to something as a tremendous brand, but whatever. I mean, it's true. They are. Uh, and you want to accommodate them, but you don't want to give special treatment. I, I don't know. But they already get special treatment. They already right. do. Like this being in the ACC the way that they are. I do think, you know, obviously, if NBC is a partner of the Big Ten, it makes it easier to allow Notre Dame to continue its you know, NBC home game thing. Maybe you can even fold that into NBC's Big Ten deal. Uh, so I think, uh, you know, to me, whatever you can do to get Notre Dame in there, I mean, that would be tremendous. I think it would be great for Notre Dame and for the conference. And one more, the college football playoff expansion still has to be settled on and agreed upon. And so that's what, again, lends a lot of credence for me. There, This is an arms race, a figurative arms race, a bodies race, a team's race between the Big Ten and the SEC in particular on who can gobble up more of the teams because then you have more leverage if the playoff is expanding, in fact, to eight teams or 12 teams. Those at-large spots are massive. And as part of this with your TV partners, with CBS – or with NBC or with Fox, you've got a chance to potentially televise college football playoff games down the road, John. Again, I ask for your take on that. Well, you know, one, uh, just to go back to the Notre Dame discussion, it's a big win for the playoff because if Notre Dame is in a conference, they won't be able to just coast into the playoff and get smoked by 30 points the way that they've done <laughs> so far, right? So, you know, I mean, I, I do think the playoff is a very interesting one. Right. The Big Ten leaving ESPN is a power move. You know, ESPN, for whatever reason, you know, people have this idea that you have to be on ESPN. Well, no, you don't have to be on ESPN. I mean, that's absurd. 
there's so many different options. And you say, well, ESPN won't promote us. Well, an ESPN that doesn't promote the Big Ten is doing itself a disservice. The reason ESPN was able to make the NHL disappear is because the NHL is not that popular. The right. Big Ten is very popular. They're not going to be able to big time the Big Ten, right? And, you know, I mean, it's about time, you know, people stop being so dependent on ESPN, which is splitting its attention, you know, 50 different ways. And clearly wants to get the SEC entirely. I mean, if you think ESPN is biased to the SEC now, just wait until they have the full rights in a couple of years. So, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to see if anyone has the, uh, you know, the guts to pay up the kind of money it's going to take to take the playoff from ESPN. You know, uh, now is the playoff worth, you know, an ex- and, you know ex- an exorbitant amount of money? Probably, yeah, because like I've said before, there is no such thing as an exorbitant amount of money in this business. Every single overpay, the, you know, the NBA is $2.7 billion a year that looks so ridiculous, doesn't look ridiculous now, right? I mean, that's just kind of an ordinary amount rate. of money. It's yeah, almost exactly. like the going rate. Well, and the key here is ESPN has had the playoff exclusively and the college football playoff uh, head, Bill Hancock, and all of the people filtering down have said, we want to split bid this. Not yeah. unlike the NCAA tournament now being with CBS and Turner or the Super Bowl going to multiple networks. Now, obviously, Fox has had the World Series locked up and – Uh, ESPN has had the NBA finals locked up, but in terms of most of these sports, even the NHL now to reference them again, has now gone to a split postseason split rotation of who does the Stanley cup finals and the college football playoff has made no secret. We want another dance partner at the end of this to expand the playoff, John. And, you know, Fox is so much more equipped for it now than when they had the BCS a million years ago. Right. I mean, they, that was what, they were doing BCS rankings each week on Fox NFL Sunday, as if anyone really wants to hear Terry Bradshaw's opinion on it, you know. And then they had uh, what was it, uh, Tom Brenneman? That's right. Obviously, very controversial now. But even back then, you know, Tom Brenneman as your lead voice, it, it wasn't necessarily you know uh, hitting it out of the park. So Fox is much better prepared now. They got a much deeper college football bench, right? If you don't like you know Gus Johnson, they've got Jason Benetti. I mean, they've got Brando, you know, they've yep. got a lot of, you know, they've really done a much better job on that than when they had the BCS the first time. So they'd be much better equipped to do that. They've done a very good job stealing away a lot of really quality ESPN talent. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, not just Benetti, but, you know, Brock Heward, uh, Robert Smith, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and uh, I think when, I mean, to me, they would be a sensible pick, but I would also say CBS, you know, they're losing the SEC. They're going to end up obviously paying so much more now for, for college football, getting the Big Ten. But, you know, I mean, to me, if I mean, it's a great opportunity to really get the most important games of the year. Uh, and again, it's like seven games. So you say to yourself, well, do you really want to pay this much money for seven games or, you know, maybe what, 11 games if it expands? Is it really worth all of that? And I say, yeah, it is. Because the reality of the matter is, you know, a couple of hundreds of millions of dollars now, or well, I guess even for something that's only 11 games or seven games, it'd be over a billion, right? I mean, would 
do you think it'd be over a billion even for something that small? I don't I don't know. But I mean, ESPN originally played uh, over a billion and a half, right, for the playoff in the first place on the original deal. And that seems like a bargain because they got it for what, like 12 or 13 years on the original yeah, well, deal. Remember, ridiculous. On, a, on, a, on a per year basis, it's like maybe four hundred million dollars. As I All often right. joke, what's a few hundred million bef- uh, in between friends? Yeah. It's well, crazy. I mean that, yeah, but that is the thing, though, right? I mean, we're not talking about organizations that are really in any financial distress. You know, uh, I say pony up the money. You know, get the rights. Why not? All right, uh, let's stick with the topics of uh, of broadcasters. And speaking of Fox and what happened with them, they have officially announced their announced teams. Uh, we've been talking about this throughout the offseason with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman having departed. Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson will now be the number one team that was known and understood. Fox made that official uh, that they will be the number one team on Fox and will eventually be joined by Tom Brady, but not this season. They did yeah. confirm that, that even in the postseason upcoming, Tom Brady will not be part of that, according to the uh, the announcement that they made. The number two team, interestingly, Joe Davis moves from college football after having been elevated to the number one voice on Major League Baseball. He moves from college football to the NFL to be paired with Moose Johnston. Uh, Daryl Moose Johnson has been in that kind of number two, number three role, uh, John Lewis, for much of his Fox broadcasting career. So Joe Davis, Moose Johnson, and Pam Oliver are the number two team. The number three team is uh, Adam Amin, Mark Schlereth, Christina Pink. Um, and then it and then it filters down beyond that with the teams with Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma and Shannon Spake, Kevin Kugler, Mark Sanchez, Laura Oakman, Chris Myers, and a newcomer, Robert Smith, who's previously done a bunch of work with ESPN, speaking of them. Chris Myers, Robert Smith, and Jen Hale would be the fifth uh, Fox team on typical weeks. All right. So any thoughts here on Joe Davis sliding now to the NFL to work it with Moose Johnston for the upcoming season? Well, I mean, Davis has been doing, you know, filling in for Buck uh, when Buck is doing the NFL, uh, the MLB playoffs and NFL games. He's obviously a great broadcaster. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Moose Johnston getting that role is interesting. He's had it before back in the uh, ancient times with the late Tony Siragusa. And I think Dick Stockton actually was their partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, certainly he's equipped for that role. Uh, it'll be a professional team. Joe Davis is a by the book announcer. He knows what he's doing. Uh, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle the baseball playoffs because Burkhardt is the studio host and Davis is the play by play. Now, in recent years, Burkhardt was the studio host and Joe Buck was the play by play. So you get to the playoffs and then who's number one? Well, that's right. Joe Davis. Well, now you don't have Davis. So is it going to be Adam Amin? Is Amin going to get those, you know, the game of the week? It'll be very interesting to see how that works coming up this uh, postseason. But, you know, solid group, uh, you know, look. The fact of the matter is Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson are good. They're also a downgrade from Buck and Aikman, right? We know this and there's no, there's just no ignoring that fact. It's they're not going to have as good a number one team as they did because they had one of the best number one teams in all of sports and they left. Right. Uh, and you know, they're not alone. Look, NBC, NBC, you could argue has downgraded in every position this season, right? Maria Taylor is not as good a studio host as Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico is not as good a play-by-play voice as Al Michaels. Uh, uh, Melissa Stark is not as good a silent reporter as Michelle Tafoya. This is what happens when you have a an all-time great team that breaks up. Right. Right. And you know, not, look, NBC and Fox are going to put on a professional broadcast, but 
it's not going to be the same as it was. And let me submit uh, as well that when Joe Buck was paired with Troy Aikman and with Chris Collinsworth back in the 2000, what, 2002 or 2001 season when they first began, that was a pairing that was just put together and Aikman was brand new at trying this fresh off of the NFL field. Collinsworth had been doing it for NBC and had been doing it for Fox in the studio, but had experience in the booth with NBC. And that took a little bit that took a, you know, a couple of yeah. years to get going too. And I I'm sure that's what Fox's mentality is here. Burkhart's right. been doing it for a long time. Uh, he's been doing it with Olsen for the last couple of years and they can grow into that, especially if they add Tom Brady, that would be, that would Maybe. be their thought. Yeah, I still don't know that Tom Brady's going to be any good. You know, That's I mean, correct. I mean, how many times in the history of TV have people hired someone because they thought that they would be great based on other things that they did? And I talked about the Michael Richards show before on this podcast, right? <laughs> and they got Kramer. They gave him his own show. And guess what? It wasn't good because Michael Richards could really only do Kramer, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, you know, Joe, uh, uh, Tom Brady is a great football player and he's very personable, has a great personality. And you know what? I'm sure people thought Chevy Chase would be a great uh, late night show oh. host as well. Right. So and uh, you're talking to a guy on this podcast. that's as big a Chevy Chase fan from the 80s and the movies who watched painfully that Chevy Chase show. And I'm older than you, but you're absolutely right. The only thing I will submit with Brady and some could look at this as bias because I'm close to it because I'm in and around the Bucks. And the Bucks preseason is about to start up, et cetera. He's got a personality and he's got humor. Um, and, and it's kind of like with Peyton Manning, like, like everybody is now realizing why so many networks were after him and wanting him in the booth when they watch him on the Manning cast with his brother. I'm not saying that it's going to be off the charts fantastic right off the bat, but I think Brady's going to give you insight and going to give you some humor, and he's not going to have to carry the day. He's just going to kind of add here and there as it goes whenever that is. Right. And whenever that is, could be 2023. It could be beyond. We don't know. He's 45 now. He's turned 45. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, the answer to the trivia question, it's out there on the Sports Media Watch podcast right now. We'll put it out there uh, that when Tom Brady – takes the first snap uh, for the Buccaneers against the Cowboys or whenever he takes the first snap. We believe it's that opening night, September the 11th. He'll become the oldest quarterback in the history of the NFL to start a game at 45 years and roughly about uh, uh, 45 days, 45 or 50 days. Steve DeBerg is the oldest quarterback to have ever started a game. The 1998 Atlanta Falcons season, DeBerg was 44 years, 290 days. So Brady will break that record. Coming up on Sunday Night Football, speaking of Maria Taylor, Mike Tirico, Chris Collinsworth, Melissa Stark, the oldest quarterback ever, John Lewis, in an NFL game as a reserve is George Blanda, Oakland Raiders, 1975. He was 48 years of age, coming in relief of Kenny Stabler in a game in 1975. I don't know that Brady makes it three more years to 48 years of age. But there yeah, you go maybe, in a little trivia. Yeah, maybe he plays five more years and gets to an even 50, right? Nancy Lieberman. Uh, uh, Remember I, when they I had, can't, uh, honestly, I can't fathom 2023 right now. I think this uh, is it. That's just world according to TJ. Uh, Whatever happens, Nancy, happens this year, and that's it. But we'll see. Nancy Lieberman could do it. Why not Tom Brady? You're just putting that out there. Okay. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Now, how you you don't know out. what I'm talking about, but no, back, I do. She played you, in a WNBA do? game. Yeah. Cand- Candace Parker uh, picked a fight with Planette Pearson. It was a huge brawl. Cheryl Ford tore her ACL in the middle of it. Uh, Rick Mahorn, you know, uh, 
was trying to separate Lisa Leslie. Alicia Milton Jones got mad at him, hit him in the back with a fist. It was chaos and they didn't have enough players on Detroit. So the NC Lieberman, an analyst for ESPN, had to go in and, and suit up. And to be completely honest, that is the closest the WNBA has ever gotten to actually being like a minor league. That was like some Bill Vex stuff when Nancy Lieberman suited up for them. That was a low moment in the history of the league. But she did it at age 50, played a game for the defending, the, the wait, the eventual champions actually that year uh, who uh, they, they beat, uh, they swept Becky Hammond and company in the final. The fact that you know that off the top of your head again with all the different trivia. So we march. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards on here on the sports media watch uh, podcast while we're here just for a second the hall of fame game did debut with the raiders and the uh, the jaguars I, I have to confess uh with preseason football uh, especially if the starters are not playing in these early first week games i'm not there so i was not there for raiders jaguars and a lot of america was not there give us the insight there on the audience for the the debut on nbc that we should mention was also hurt by the fact that it was in a weather delay yep. for the first what john half hour at least yeah well yeah weather delay the jaguars are there uh you know uh look the reality is 5.7 million viewers in those circumstances is pretty spectacular uh you know that's an audience on par with the nets and the lakers on christmas granted you know, the NBA's Christmas schedule last year was so ridiculous with all the players not being able to play and uh, the NFL competition, but that's the level, right? 5.5 million on TV, 5.7 million if you include all the extra streaming stuff, NBC ads into everything. So, you know, look, I mean, given that, you I mean, that's just the power of the NFL. If the, whole, if the Field of Dreams game gets 5.5 million viewers this Thursday, <laughs> You know, Manfred's going to be getting high fives and, you know, running around, whipping his shirt over the air, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, so, you know, look, the reality is the NFL is a different animal. Uh, and so it was a bad game, not very good to watch, but I watched it. I mean, you know, I was uh, switching between that and an old MST3K, but I was watching it nonetheless. So, 
There's that reference again from the end of last week. Uh, all right. So they're they're on the Hall of Fame game and the induction speeches. They went back to during the day, by the way, yeah, and not prime time on the Hall of Fame induction uh, for the different people that were there from Bryant Young to Dick Vermeil and um, Terrell Buckley and all the different players that went in, including Tony Baselli, by the way, who had been a finalist, I think, seven times, seven or eight times. And he was the original Jacksonville Jaguar, the first ever yep. draft pick, number one pick um, as a left tackle. It's pretty amazing when you make the all decade team and you only played half the decade because the Jaguars didn't exist. That's how good a left tackle. They picked one left tackle for the whole decade, and it was Tony Baselli. That's quite the Hall of Fame case for him. That's why the Jaguars were in the game with the Raiders. The left, the late Cliff Branch was also uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame posthumously this weekend, this past weekend as well. So they did all of that. All right, uh, on to a couple of more subjects, and then we're getting to the love it or leave it portion of things before we're done on the Sports Media Watch podcast. You wanted to say something about the coverage of the, the Brittany Griner uh, sentencing. She had already pled guilty, sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison. It's well known. This is not a secret. This is part of the back and forth negotiation yeah. on a prisoner exchange, et cetera. Brittany Griner, the WNBA player. All right, John, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on the coverage, et cetera? Well, you know, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, I've brought this up before. We got a pretty sick country at times, you know, the culture warriors, right? Uh, enjoying the downfall of people they don't like. We've seen this time and time again. It is a very, it's a very bipartisan sickness. Uh, I want to be clear about that. We saw it with people, you know, folks who were unvaccinated and got COVID. And then you had the very cruel, nasty, vicious, you know, Herman Cain Awards nonsense from people who, let's hope, should know better. And sadly, maybe they don't. Uh, you had people when, you know, say she lets her teeth knocked out is bloodied by a golf ball, you know, kind of stifling their enjoyment of such a horrible thing. And uh, of course, we see a lot of it. And that would be from the left, right? We see mm -hmm. a lot of it from the right, though, a lot. Uh, and, and with Brittany Griner, it's it's been pretty sickening to see people who can look at an American sentence to nine and a half years in prison in a country that is our enemy and uh, somehow support that enemy country because they don't like that Brittany is, uh, you know, a lesbian, maybe. Maybe they don't like that uh, she's in the WNBA. Maybe they don't like that she knelt for the anthem. And so they side with our enemies uh, in a circumstance where, you know, any American of good conscience is going to side with the American, whether it's Brittany Griner or Paul Whelan, uh, Trevor Reed, or any of our citizens locked up. I was reading about this, uh, this teacher in Russia. He made a really dumb decision. He was literally smuggling drugs in because he, I guess, needs marijuana for whatever. And he was like putting it in his shoes, right? At, at that point, like, you know, Mm -hmm. That was, you know, you want to talk about Griner maybe accidentally packing things. I mean, he was smuggling drugs in, but I would still want this guy to be, you know, let out, right? Russia is our enemy. We know that their sentences for this are absurd and motivated by things that have nothing to do with justice and everything that, you know, everything to do with leverage. So, you know, to me, I just thought that was sick, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, if, if your devotion to the, our nonsensical culture wars in this country is so intense that you can't look at an American sentenced to nine and a half years by our enemies and support them, man, you need to rethink a lot of stuff. That's just my thought. Um, just uh, two things real quick. Number one, how do you think this ends and when? 
And number two, do you believe while we're talking about the criticism that the Biden administration, as we're going on months and months and months that have gone by and they've not been able to resolve it, deserves criticism here that it's not resolved as of yet? How long do you think it continues on? And isn't the criticism justified at this point with how long it's dragged out? What are your thoughts? What are your takes? Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, it seems like people are pretty hopeful that the sentence is going to be a precursor to her being let out uh, in an exchange for, you know, actual like insane criminals like the merchants and all that nonsense. People want to get mad at us as Americans for, for being willing to trade the merchant of death. Let's get mad at the Russians for kidnapping an American, holding her hostage, uh, holding them hostage. Because uh, we can't forget, you know, uh, Paul Whelan as well, and then demanding the, you know, exchange of of this person. But you know, as far as the Biden administration, look, let's be real. We're talking about a guy with what a thirty nine percent approval rating. There's plenty of criticism aimed at Joe Biden all the time. Uh, very few people. I'll put it this way. If you strongly approve of Joe Biden, that's a fringe position in this country. So, you know, criticism of Biden is fair game. Do I agree necessarily with the criticism that LeBron, for example, aimed at Joe Biden? No, not really. I mean, I think one thing that should be pointed out, Brittany Griner has a lot of Americans rooting against her, and that's sickening. But she's also a celebrity. So she has a lot more Americans rooting for her than Paul Whelan or Trevor Reed, mm -hmm. whose names we did not know. That's correct. Before this. And there's a lot of, you know, maybe looking past the fact that Britney, as much as she has people who are rooting against her, that her celebrity is an advantage. It's been horrible to watch her wasting away in Russia for seven months. Man, can you imagine what it's been like to watch Paul Whelan waste away for two well, years? And, and I'll pick up on your point. There are Americans that are in prison in places like Iran and China and other places where the families have pleaded for months and years to get attention and have State Department help. And can we get them out? And we don't know all of their names or their stories or their situations because they're not celebrities, which is what exactly. your point is I mean, uh, that, in this instance. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind. I mean, it is very understandable. I get why the people who advocate for Britney feel besieged because they see some of the cruelty out there on Twitter and the viciousness of people who are, you know, saying, hey, let her rot. They see that. But you can't talk about this story and not talk about the obvious advantage that she has as a world class, famous athlete whose fame may not be at LeBron's level. Right. But her fame is what's going to get her out of there. And. The lack of fame is why Paul Whelan's been wasting away there for two years and no one really cared in this country. So it goes both ways. And it's very important to keep in mind that as sickening as it is to know that there are people rooting against her, you cannot overlook how important it has been for her future and her ability to get out of there that she is a celebrity. She's a celebrity. She's a well-known world-class athlete. And so, you know, again, that probably, if anything, is able to get her out of there is what's going to get her out of there. All right. Fair enough. You ready for some no huddle uh, edition of Love It or Leave It?
I think we sure. can do this. Let's do this. Love it or leave it. Subject number one. As I mentioned, the preseason of the NFL is now underway in full, starting with games on Thursday and Friday and then heading to the weekend. Full disclosure, again, I work Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio, as John knows, and many of you know this, but not everybody knows this. So I will be part of the broadcast once again this season with the legendary Hall of Fame voice, Mean Gene Deckerhoff, Dave Moore. Uh, that are very familiar to Buccaneer fans of the Bucks and the Miami Dolphins with all the controversy off the field recently with the Dolphins, their ownership, the trouble they're in for tampering. That's the Bucks opening preseason game. Uh, they, they perennially play the Dolphins either in Tampa or Miami every preseason. So that opens up this week. Love it or leave it. Will you check out a little preseason football on the networks, on the NFL network and on the networks when they show it here? What's up? No, not really. I mean, I don't even have cable right now at this point. Um, you know, uh, let me actually, let me bring it back to the WNBA because I have a WNBA related item for here. So, okay. uh, Sue Bird, uh, is, you know, entering her final games this weekend. She's going to play her last regular season game. Uh, on, it'll be on ABC. Uh, Sue is the last remaining athlete in the NBA or WNBA who ever played a game on NBC when they were carrying the NBA. Mm. That game was in the playoffs, 2002, game two of the first round at the L.A. Sparks, defending champs, on NBC, Paul Sunderland and Myers Drysdale, and uh, probably somebody on the sidelines, maybe Chris Raggy. Maybe Chris Raggy did that game. I don't know. Uh, Again, anyway, folks, I stop him. He's going off the top of his head. No notes. Continue. Well, the point I bring up is in Atlanta, uh, they decided – no, we're not going to hear this. And they put on the Falcons preseason game instead. <laughs> now, uh, at that point in my life, I Michael was, Vick, Michael Vick, right in the Falcons. Maybe, early 2000s. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. two is Michael Vick. Yeah. Well, at the time, I was not as well versed in the sports media space as I am now. And I just couldn't believe the idea that a, a, a playoff game in the WNBA would get preempted by Falcons preseason football. I thought it was the most absurd thing. It was just ridiculous to me, you know? And of course, now I know that the rating that uh, I guess it was what WXIA 11 alive got for that Falcons game was probably 400 times what they would have gotten for the WNBA game. But at the time right. I was, I was just beside myself because I, I wanted to watch Sue Bird. I'd and, never seen and by, and by the way, when they show these preseason games on network TV, they'll have seven or eight million people watching an overglorified practice with backup players because it's the letters NFL and it's yep. the it's the teams and the brands to your point. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the reality of the matter is we talk about the preseason on NFL Network, but it's big for those local affiliates, right? Oh, yes. You know, uh, I remember when Andrew Luck, that's his name, right? Andrew Luck? That's him. It's yes. been a while. It's been a while. I wasn't really sure. Son of Oliver Luck. Yes. Yeah. I remember when Andrew Luck uh, retired and there was, I was watching the preseason broadcast of the Bears uh, broadcast and, uh, you know, Adam Amin doing that. It was it, it was almost like an event. It's on network TV. There's this big story going on. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's amazing. It's a preseason. Because his retirement had leaked while he was on the sideline exactly. in street clothes, not playing in the game. And then there were a bunch of Indianapolis Colt fans that were upset and were booing in the stadium as the Colts were leaving the field with Andrew Luck because they felt um, is betrayed too strong of a word there for this reason, their season ticket money had already been collected mm, and yeah. counted and they're now being told Andrew Luck is retiring in the middle of the preseason after that, without refunds, by the way. So I could understand where there were some people upset with the Ursays and the Colts for how that was handled. But you're right. It became an event 
uh, in mean, the preseason. Look, you put sports on primetime network TV. If you're of a certain age, it's going to feel like an event because you knew when you were watching, it, it was different on the regular channels than if it was on cable. Right. And so maybe that's a generational thing, but certainly all those games are going to be on primetime network TV and without cable, that'll be the only way I get to watch them. Okay. Let's continue another subject. Love it or leave it. The PGA tour golf season moves into its playoffs in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. I've always had love for what is now known as the FedEx, a golf event. Although it is a playoff event, it's no longer the FedEx St. Jude Classic, what used to be the Danny Thomas St. Jude Classic. I remember going as a little TJ in the 70s and the 80s in summers in Memphis to the Danny Thomas Classic and seeing the then PGA Tour stars of Jack Nicklaus, Lee Trevino, Tom Watson that would regularly play uh, in Memphis. Uh, We bring it backwards, though, to last weekend and Nick Faldo, the legendary Hall of Fame player and the broadcaster for CBS, Uh, said his farewell after 16 seasons in the broadcast booth next to Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Uh, uh, Teary-eyed at times, blubbering, unable to get through uh, his goodbyes with Ian Baker Finch and Frank Nabilo there in the booth. John, did you see some of this? What did you think on, uh, on the goodbyes there with Nick Faldo? No, actually, I didn't see any of it. I haven't even seen the clip. I I, I did see Dan Patrick talking about it the other day uh, on his show. Uh, you know, Faldo is uh, such an interesting character. One, he doesn't seem old enough to really need to retire. Uh, I know he's probably, I, I mean, I, I don't know how old he he's is. He's in his mid-60s, yes. Yeah, and that's not, I mean, in this industry, mid-60s, right. just starting out, right? You know, uh, so, uh, you know, he didn't need to retire, but I guess if you don't have to work, why work? Uh, but he clearly loves working with those guys. Great rapport with Nance, uh, great partner with Nance, maybe even a better partner for Nance than, than Romo is maybe who knows, mm. um, you know, I'll, 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 Oh, go ahead. Not concerned about holding back criticism too, to that point about why he's been so good. He would frequently not, not bash, not be over the top with it, but he would be critical of players decision-making uh, you know, their, their, uh, inability to come through in the clutch, whatever, because he was so good at that as a player and a six time major champion, when he spoke, it carried weight on why is this guy doing it? You know, except for maybe Tiger Woods or Phil Mickelson, why is this guy playing this shot or what's his strategy? Or, you know, you've got to be able to come through here. And he was, um, he was at the top. I mean, uh, I know Johnny Miller also very much during, Faldo's time at the top, but Faldo was right there with him. Certainly, I love Paul Lazinger as well on the golf coverage on NBC and is opinionated as well, but Faldo, a much more across-the-board accomplished player. Uh, Zinger will probably get on me for that because he's actually somewhat of a fan of mine in the Tampa Bay area. Mm. Zinger won a lot of events. Zinger's a Ryder Cup captain who, by the way, John Lewis beat Nick Faldo in the 08 Ryder Cup when Faldo was the European captain and and Azinger was the, uh, the U.S. captain. But Faldo, the standard, uh, and he and Azinger actually worked together back in the early 2000s on ABC with Mike Tirico on the PGA Tour Golf uh, way back when. But uh, it'll be interesting if NBC goes, or I'm sorry, if CBS goes with Ian Baker Finch, if they go with Frank Nabilo, do they go outside the box uh, a little bit here on on who they put in the booth next to Jim Nance? And how much longer does Jim Nance want to continue to do it now with a different partner? I don't know. And Jim will do it for the rest of his life. You know, I mean, I think Jim is fine. I, I you know, I, I did want to bring up, you know, Ian Baker Finch got in some trouble. He said the let's go Brandon uh, on the air. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I was I talked about Biden earlier and I just wanted to 
So look, if your approval rating is under 40, people are going to mock you. That's just the way that it is. You can't like, there's just no way that, I mean, if your approval rating is under 40, you're going to get mocked in some unexpected places. I remember from 2017 to 2021, there was this guy in the white house. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He used to host the apprentice and his approval rating was garbage from inauguration day until the day he left. And he got mocked in a lot of places. That's the way it's going to be. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I, I read the awful announcing piece by Jay Rigdon and, the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, am I supposed to be offended? Really? Am I really supposed to be offended? The guy's got a 39% approval rating. Mm -hmm. What exactly are we expecting? Now, is it the most professional thing in the world? Should Ian Baker Finch have done it? Probably not. Time and, and place. I believe in the vein, the player's name was was Brandon, and that's the context of it. And, right. he, and he played on the words and, and did it. So... Uh, and, and the genesis of that goes back to a NASCAR post race with a yeah. racer named Brandon having won and uh, the NBC crew, I believe. You think Chris Travota, because it was Chris Travota, right? Was trying well, to play it off right on the interview. Has he done an interview about this? I mean, what has this affected her life in any way? Like, I mean, because, you know, he, our, our, I, I mean, I talked about this with Griner. Our culture warriors are sick people. They really are. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. even kidding. Our culture warriors are genuinely sick people. And so, like, for someone like Krista Voda, just to be tangentially associated, whether it's coming from one direction or the other, I do wonder if she's, if she's like had to like, change her phone number or anything like that, you know, dealing with our, our copious amount of uh, unhinged political observers in this country. But that's another story for another day. Yes, it is. Okay. One more before we are done. Love it or leave it field of dreams, baseball game. And we should make mention that a year ago uh, at this time, it, it did very well with that Yankees white Sox game you even on the infancy of this podcast said hey i am surprised i didn't think regular season baseball would ever get a rating like this now two factors one novelty it's the first time you're doing it as a year ago two it's the yankees that were involved love it or leave it the second go around here of the field of dreams game that's going to be played later this week what what do you think john love it or leave it well, you know, if some of the old Cubs can come through that cornfield, like, uh, you know, uh, Chris Bryant <laughs> and Anthony Rizzo, then maybe it'll do well. But the reality is the Cubs are not a relevant team. Well, they're always going to be a relevant team, but they're not a good team. And uh, neither are they. I mean, these 44 and 64 for both of them. Whose idea was it to put these two teams right. in this game? And that's absurd. You know, the White Sox were a playoff team last year and the Yankees were good, too. And, you know, the stars, right? Tim Anderson, all the great home runs. It was a great game. You're putting a 44 and 64 team against another 44 and 64 team in prime time. I don't care where you're playing it. You play it on the surface of the moon. No one's going to watch that. So I mean, what was, what was the audience number a year ago? How many million for that um, for Yankees white Sox? Wasn't it in the neighborhood of like seven or 8 million? If I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head, it was a 5.9 million. And that's with the undercount of Nielsen. Uh, okay. So probably over six million, or maybe just below six million. Do you reality. believe Cubs Reds will be a million less, maybe even I a mean, couple of million less because they're so bad and the novelty's worn off? I think it'll be more than that. I mean, look, I'm may, hey, I've been wrong before, but I could see that audience dropping by half. You know, I could see it again. Being, Chicago's the number two TV market. We understand that. Yeah. So they're going to be mean, there because of the Cubs. But is the rest of the country going to be there? That's right. The I mean, question. I just think they're not good. I know that the Cubs are the Cubs, but they're not good, right? 
the, you know, and <laughs> I mean, the Reds are not relevant. The Cubs are not good right. and the Cubs are, and the Reds are not relevant. Right. Uh, if you are 21 years old, let's see, it's nine, it's 2022. Right. And if you're 21, that means you were born in 1990. Uh, you were born in 2001. I'll help oh, you with the math. No. Oh, yes. wow. You're right. You were born in 2001. So you definitely are not old enough to have seen the Reds do Jack other than blow a 2-0 lead, winning the first two on the road in San Francisco and having three straight at home back when Dusty Baker was managing them in 2012. That's the only time they've done anything. And so, you know, there are 44 and 64 team that people don't care about at all. Right against another 44 and 64 team that people only care about because of the name on the front of the Jersey. And I just see, you know, I mean, you add to that, the lack of novelty. And then the fact that last year's game was exceptional. It was one of the best nationally TV baseball games that you'll see. I mean, I could see that audience drop in by 30, 40, maybe even 50%. Wow. There's a prediction. All right. Good enough. Anything else in closing on this week's edition of the podcast, John, before we are good, before we are done? Uh, you know, uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of the, the industry when things are as slow as they are right now. Is it You not? ended last week besieging us with Mystery Science Theater 3000 yeah. takes, yeah, but you don't true. have anything else to come strong with here uh, at the conclusion this week, pop culture or otherwise, right? Well, I mean... We could have the the big Mike versus Joel debate, right? Who's better, Mike you, Nelson or you, Joel? You keep Hodgson? vying for that, and I am not up to the task. And we no. got to get the uh, MST three thousand people to maybe respond to you that yeah. you want you want to figuratively square off with somebody and well, debate this point. Roll the sleeves up and go. Well, why not? But it's not me. It's not well, me. I'm I, not that know, person. I'm not- I'll obviously I'll take Mike. I mean, Mike was who I who was hosting when I first started watching the show. Joel is great. You know, I mean, a, a Joel riff is a great riff, but I'll always go with Mike. You if know, I, what? Yeah. you know what I have been watching recently and it's around obviously the same eras of this is old episodes of NFL primetime just mm. for the heck of it on yeah. YouTube and go back and watch the league in the late nine in the late eighties and the early nineties and who was where, like, for example, I was watching a 1994. So the 1994 season was the 75th season of the NHL of the NFL. And they had the NFL 75 patches on. There was an epic finish to a New York jets, uh, green Bay Packers, Boomer Esiason against Brett Favre uh, with Chris Berman doing the highlights. And then I'm having to contemplate John Lewis. That's 28 years ago that I'm watching this with everything that uh, has unfolded since then. But it, it's cool to just go back and reminisce and fool around for a little while and watch some of this stuff and put in highlights, I think, from the uh, – there, there. to me, there's no better NFL highlight show before or after. No offense to Howard Cosell at halftime of Monday Night Football or anything else that Bob Costas and his uh, analysts did or anybody else that's tried to do it. The Fox NFL Sunday highlights at halftime. There's no better studio show than Berman and Tom Jackson doing the NFL primetime highlights. Yeah. And the greatest compliment is that all the players and all the coaches who had been playing in a game during the day on Sunday would go home and watch those guys to get their highlights of the other games. So it's just fun to go back and reminisce and watch them do the highlights yeah. back well, in remember, the late 80s and the early 90s. You know, uh, they did have Tom Jackson back on primetime. And then when COVID happened, he did not return. So now it's uh, Booger McFarland. Correct. Really, it does. Why even air it? Honest to God, no offense to Booger, but the whole point was Berman and Jackson. So 
but at the same time, uh, it is the highlights. And and one of the things that I enjoy about it, because it's now available on uh, on ESPN Plus, uh, is that you get a good three or four minutes of each game right there in one place. Well, I don't have to go seek it out on the internet. For example, the NFL Network's highlight show with Chris Rose, there are some games that even as the NFL Network, they virtually ignore and show you a single play from and then flash the score up. And I realize the internet exists and you can go and look around. But for me, I would find myself again, I get done working Sunday NFL. Or if you're fans that have been at one game and you come home, I'm just saying you love to have it in one place. Uh, and the and the NBC show too, by the way, that Mike Tirico has been doing, Maria Taylor's now taking it over the Sunday night uh, football, the, uh, the pregame. Again, they will do the same thing where they will have two or three of the games that maybe only have a highlight or two highlights. At least on NFL primetime, you're going to get three minutes, three and a half minutes of every game, even if it's like Panthers-Jaguars. You'll get that. So I'll stick up for it in that regard on give me my highlights in one spot. Now, you remember that, of course, on Football Night in America, they did have Dan and Keith reunited for a little Mm -hmm. bit. But you know what's interesting about football night is it, the ratings look great on paper, but it's you know, who I mean, and I want to say nobody watches it because people are watching it, but it's not relevant to anybody, right? Like it doesn't matter to anyone. It never did. They had Dan and Keith reunited for years, and who even noticed? It's a very interesting thing because when ESPN had NFL primetime, that was relevant. That mattered to people. Football night in America, not in any iteration, not once ever has had that kind of relevance, period. And so it's very interesting because it gets the ratings. It just, people don't care about it at yeah, all. The highlight, the highlight part of it has definitely changed for them and for any highlight show. We know that. Anything else? Are we good? Yeah. Yeah, let me, uh, I, I want to uh, talk about the Dan Patrick show. So I've been watching, I've been getting back into the Dan Patrick show lately, you know, and I, I actually am going to make the suggestion that it's the best of all the, sports talk shows of all, uh, of all time. How about that? How about the best? Of all? Well, no, Inside the NBA is better. But Inside the NBA 1, the Dan Patrick Show 2, PTI 3. What do you think of that ranking? That's an interesting ranking. And I love Patrick's show with the Dan Eds. We've talked about that before uh, as well. I, th- I think that the Inside the NBA is the best studio show. I think the argument again can be made. Berman and Jackson had the best studio show, the best highlight show, better than even Oberman and Dan Patrick on Sports Center. Uh, so that's interesting. Everybody's got their favorites for whatever reason that they love these different shows. PTI obviously has uh, developed into a monster during the day, during the week, when, when many people thought that it wasn't going to last a couple of months with Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon. Who and thought it wasn't going to last? On. Who, didn't, who thought it wasn't going to last? Most everybody. Really? In that time period, most everybody thought this was going to kind of be a fad and it would burn out two guys yelling at each other. And, and not only did it not burn out, it spawned the whole yelling, screaming, talking heads universe that ESPN created after that because now, they saw watching, how, it, how it succeeded. I was watching PTI from the beginning. Right mm-hmm. now, my perspective is a little bit different because, you know, uh, I was certainly not. Uh, not uh, the grizzled adult I am now, right? So I was still watching Nickelodeon at that time, you know? So I'd watch PTI, maybe dip in for Animaniacs, and, you know, <laughs> after <laughs> afterward, right? But, uh, you know, uh, I, I never got the sense that it was anything other than an unqualified hit. Like, I, I feel like PTI was- Early, early on. Right, on, right, 
go back and look at the reviews. And they even talked about this in their 20 year anniversary thing early on. They weren't sure how long this was going to sustain until it did get rolling after the first couple of months. And then people realized this is entertaining. And again, that led to all of these different talking head, yelling and screaming opinionated shows that we see nonstop that ESPN created his offshoots off of that. So well, just when, to give you some when, context. When Around the Horn debuted a year later, I felt instinctively, even at my young age of still watching Nickelodeon, I instinctively thought, what is this? Why is it on the air? That was my initial thought. And with all due respect to the people on that show, Reality, Woody Page, et cetera, I still kind of feel that way, right? But, but, it, but, but it's but, been in all these different forms. Yeah, with highly questionable, and I'm going to lose track of whichever ones. Well, and now you have fir- and and the first takes and the all the all the things that now the Shannon out of Sharp undisputed with Skip Bayless and all the different forms and fashions on other networks that the talking heads screaming at each other about the sports topics. That's where it well, originated. But back to Dan Patrick. Dan right. has always brought professionalism w- with humor, with great guests. Uh, with all of that, and we've talked about that on this show, so I'm right with you that it's yeah. it, it's up there over the course of the last 15 or 20 years as must it's, listen, must see. It's the only sports show I watch, like period, point blank. I mean, it's it's that's it. You know, yeah. It, it, it hey, I, I downloaded Peacock to my TV. That's a lot more than I do for most things. I, I'm not downloading Peacock to go watch, you know, the whatever golf major they're airing. I'm not downloading Peacock for Notre Dame football. I downloaded it because, hey, you know, that's where the Dan Patrick show is. All right, I'll give it a, I'll give it a shot. But I will say, man, I, PTI from the beginning, I felt was perfect, right? Like it was right off the bat, exactly. And when I when Around the Horn debuted the very next year, I did not feel that I way. I understand. So to me, I, I, I don't know what those reviewers were seeing back in 2001. But, uh, you know, uh, PTI to me, came out of the what, like athena fully well, there would be okay i got you there'll be one more point to make on this so if you watched and I, and again i'm older than you when you watch tony kornheiser and mike wilbon on the sports reporters on sunday morning they were so reserved and they were not animated etc cetera, etc cetera. they would come out of their shell a little bit on like the monday night preview of the nfl that in that uh espn was doing Tony Kornheiser had his radio show in Washington, but what they knew the two of them is that's the way they were acting towards each other. Whether they were in the Washington post newsroom, whether they were at a restaurant in public, they would engage and argue and be animated like that everywhere in all their life. They knew that dynamic could be different and could work on TV. I think the rest of us, were wondering because we had watched them on the fair enough on the sports reporters and said, how is this going to, how is this going to work as its own? And then we knew, then we knew after a couple of months, it it had, you know, maybe even after a couple of weeks, it has real potential to sustain and it, uh, it has sustained. And it gave those guys second careers as their newspaper careers disintegrated because newspapers have disintegrated. They became far more important, far more known and far more wealthy for, pardon the interruption than anything they ever wrote in the Washington post or Wilbon and the other papers that he wrote for and Kornheiser and the papers that he wrote for. So there well, you go. You know, on I mean, I, I will say I had not watched the sports reporters before I started watching PTI. Uh, but you know, I mean, so maybe that's part of it. Uh, do you remember, of course, Roy Firestone mm-hmm. with his show? And, Absolutely. Uh, 
I bring that up because I was watching his interview of Wilt Chamberlain today. I watched a whole bunch of Wilt Chamberlain interviews today. Mm -hmm. Why not? Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, Roy Firestone's still out there. Maybe, uh, you know, kick the tires, give him a, he, he was pretty good. He was pretty good Roy, at the time. Roy was ahead of the game. That's well. right. On the one-on-one -on -one interview show and you get on the right venue and ESPN propped him up there on the right venue for a while. On, and they replaced on, him with uh, Chris, Chris Connolly. Chris, Chris Myers first, I it was, And then Chris Connolly after that. Correct. On up close. That was what had the around the horn time slot. There you go. There you go with Interview TV. All right, the nostalgia trip for the 80s, the 90s, and even into part of the interruption in the early 2000s. It's now been on 20-plus years as well. Uh, John, a lot of topics covered, a lot of great stuff. We encourage everybody to read the website, sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you for the time here, as always, on the podcast. Hey, thank you. And we thank you for being with us. Again, follow or subscribe on this feed for this podcast. George Offens, Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, has part two with Wayne Larravee up. The Announcer Schedules podcast, Mike Gill, uh, Phil DeMont-Mollin, they are on uh, Announcer Schedule, giving you their takes on the announcers and who's calling the games. Subscribe to this feed. You get all of those podcasts. For now, we're good with the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.